Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Tyler. We got Jim. We got a full crew tonight, and we have no guests. So what is up, everyone? I don't like this. I got to actually use my own brain. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know what, though? I, I, I feel like it's been a while since it was just the three of us. Like, when was the last time just the three of us did a show? Was it, was it last year? It we haven't probably... done a show all. We haven't done a show in a, in a year, you guys. All right, listen, it hasn't been a year. Stop with this foolish. We're in February already, and you're using that joke still. Stop it. But I think it's right. I think that's true. It is. Honestly, if you think about, like, this run of guests we've had on, like, every week, I think it started back with Justice. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then it ran into Idol. Yeah. We had Justice. We had Alex. It'll happen. It's probably been since November. Kenny's fact-checking us, and he said true. There we go. It That's has been Kenny's a while. For. Sure. And even like on the shows recently, not even like the three of us haven't been on it. It was Jim and I. It was Tyler and I. Always I. That's what's most important. <laughs> Slackers. He whines a lot, doesn't he? He does. Well, I mean, it's because he doesn't have a life. So yeah, like, it's true. It's, he's always here. I mean, I honestly really hate each of you more and more every single week. Like, well, truly just... Yes and no. Yes and no what? Just using your famous catchphrase. <laughs> For real, though. Like, Jim, I... <laughs> There's times I want to, like, legit murder Jim. You mean, like, about five minutes ago? Yes. Oh, what time are we coming on, guys? Nine o'clock, like every other time. This is a shit show, by the way. Anyone who's watching right now tonight is going to be very, very bad. Worst, worst NS9 episode in a while. What's up, Connor? Okay, in our defense, we haven't had to actually come up with topics or anything in the last since in a year. Well, and like they've been, our last few episodes have been really good. So, like, we're kind of due for a downer. Kenny's not lying. By the way, I mean, I guess here's something we can do. We can talk a little bit about ourselves. We could do that. No, we will talk a little bit of Pirates. As you see, the show's called, you know, the Pirates Aussies. And we're going to talk. Because, again, we haven't, like, actually sat down and just, like, discussed it amongst ourselves. Um, all off season, I feel like. So we'll do that. But since Kenny's in here, let's talk about that. I mean, for the people who are listening, you don't know. We have a newsletter. We have a second production of it sent out this Monday. Thanks to Kenny. Kenny is the one that's writing it. The Mr. Fact Checker on the show right now. So, uh, yeah, as of right now, every Monday it's going out. But once spring training starts up, it's going to ramp up a little bit. And then so once the season starts, it'll be out daily. So we're going to have a daily NS9 newsletter. And I just want to preference this. If you don't like it, Kenny's doing it, not us. 
But if you do like it, it's part of NS9. <laughs> it is very well done. It's it really is. So like the he's done two so far. The first one showed up in my inbox, and I was like legit impressed. I was like, this is like a real newsletter. I was like, good job, Kenny. So um, yeah, if you haven't subscribed yet, I'm trying to find a link. Kenny, I'm sure you're there. Post a link in the chat as far as uh, like how people can can sign in, uh, can sign up for that. But yeah, right now he's sending something out every week, just kind of recapping the week. Um, and as the season goes on, yeah, daily daily newsletter, daily Pirates newsletter, right in your inbox. Doesn't get much better than that. And it's very well done. How bad are your eyes, Tyler? They're really bad. <laughs> You're squinting hard at that screen right now. Yeah, I can't read. What are you even trying to read? I was just looking at some stuff. Jim was boring me by talking about a newsletter. Yeah. Every so time we got Jim that. speaks, I get bored. We got that. As most of you already know, we've added three more for the podcast, doing uh, mostly the post-game shows. We're going to sprinkle them in here. We haven't even told them our future, our plans with them this offseason. By the way, so Connor... Neil, Doug, um, <laughs> during spring training, you're probably going to do an NS9 live show amongst yourselves, by yourselves. So here's the information. And I guess with that said, we will be in Bradenton on March 19th to the 25th. At least two-thirds of us here. At least these two people. We will definitely be in Bradenton March 19th to the 25th. Maybe Tyler. So if you're in Bradenton during those, during those times, uh, hit us up. We'll definitely be down there. And Cody as well. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I think we're going to have like four games is kind of what we – four or five games while we're down there. So, it might be five. I think we're only yeah. skipping one and one's an off day. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It should be fun. Um, weekend, Bradenton, and March can't really – Get much better than that. Yeah, you guys are going to have fun. Tyler? You guys are going to have a lot of fun. I'll hold down the fort here. Um, make okay. sure to get all the good information. Yeah, so so there's that. And then I guess we kind of have, like, in the works, we've been kind of alluding to, like, in June, one the first week in June, we'll probably all be up there having, like, a live podcast and have more things going on maybe so a lot of fun stuff like i'm legit excited for the season for like the stuff that we're talking about and the stuff that we're going to be talking about shortly it was actually the pittsburgh pirates i'm really pumped for 2023 yeah i would say for the first time since 2018 like there's actually some excitement going into the season uh you know they finally put together an off season that uh that gets you you know, looking forward to to opening day in, in like a positive way as opposed to just a I'm really bored and I need to start watching baseball kind of way. So, yeah, no, definitely. I, I, mean, I know we'll talk about it today on the show, but the offseason, you know, I don't know if we want to give it grades or whatnot, but it, it, it's been a good offseason for the Pirates. I can't I can't complain too much about what they've done. It's been a better offseason for North Shore and I. 
It has been a good offseason for me North and Jim Miami. have killed it this offseason. You guys done a fantastic job slacking. That's true. If you if you follow us on TikTok, me and Tyler just crushing it on TikTok. Make sure you follow us at North Shore Nine. All of the content, all of the good content is ba- is made by me and Tyler. All, if you if you see a bad TikTok, it's it's Donardo's. Correct. Donardo puts way too much thought into everything, and then you got to jump on a video game with him late at night so we can talk through his issues. Not me and Jim. Yeah, we just no. fire out the good stuff. Donardo puts like puts like an hour into one little like 20 second video it completely flops me and you just throw something together takes us two minutes and you know there there we go we just i think what it is with me is you know we get we get the younger generation we do and we just haven't we have a content creator mindset we do like you would think we're the ones that are just grinding out videos. No, we're just, we see something, we know it's going to be good, we fire it off. I hate you guys so much. Like, you have no idea. This is the, how I started the show. Like, this is literally why. You have no idea the fire that's burning inside right now. Like, I just want to go through this screen and just punch both of you right in the face. <laughs> but, but I digress. I won't do that. No, I'll give you guys your props. You guys have been handling the TikTok quite well. You know what? We can't forget Cody. Cody does a good job as well. Cody does a good job as well. Yep. I just, you know, do everything else. Literally everything else around here. Like what? Everything. You guys are very good at doing seven-second clips. Appreciate it, guys. What do you do? We work – here's the thing. We work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Denardo likes to take credit because he jumps on StreamYard and types in Pirates Offseason Talk. And See what I'm saying? That, that video I nine. made, that was elite. I don't the public didn't on, think so. Public dummies think on so. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok has shadow banned me. That's the problem. Yep, it's only you and not me, Cody, or Jim. Correct. It's my IP. Right. All right. Should we move forward? Enough talking about this jibber-jabber? Sure. Sure. So I guess we will talk about, again, this, this Pirates offseason – um, you know, much of our talk has come through guests, right, through their viewpoint, the information they're feeding us. I don't think we've really sat down and just talked our opinion and, and really stated everything. So let's kind of do that today, since I think for the vast part, like, I mean, the Pirates are pretty much done, right? I mean, there might might be maybe one other signing. I guess we can maybe assume, like, maybe a bullpen. Maybe. Maybe a middle infielder death piece, but nothing major, right? Nothing that's probably going to change anything that we say today. So I guess um, let's go dive into it. And Jim, you talked about grades. I say let's get fancy. Let's give a grade too. Okay. I do think there's maybe one more move to be made, and I think it has a lot to do with the outfield depth. You know, we talked about it with Mackie a little bit when he was on, but uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of outfielders on this 40-man roster, and you got to think eventually like some of them get squeezed out. I don't know what you're going to get in return, but like how he was saying – like maybe you trade one of those guys for a relief a relief arm, right? And maybe it's not even an established relief arm. It's it's a flyer, you know, somebody with with really good stuff, and you know, you hope you can maybe rein in his command, something like that. But I, I could see them doing something like that, you know, sometime maybe during spring training or towards the end of spring training, 
uh, like once roster cuts kind of get down to the nitty gritty, because they are going to have to make some moves with that mm-hmm. 40 man. Like they've got to add, um, they've got to add a catcher. <laughs> so at, at least they've got to add a catcher. Um, so there's going to be some people who are going to get cut off of that 40 man who are on there. And, you know, maybe a trade is the way to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. But again, I don't think it's going to move the needle. Albeit, there's not there's not many outfielders that's on this 40 man that they're trying to clear up that's going to move the needle on the other team either. It's just depth for them. It's going to be depth for the Pirates. Um, but I could definitely see that coming <clears throat> and not care too much when it happens. I do think we're past the point, though, where like I think Brian Reynolds is a Pirate on opening day. Yeah. Like, I think we're there. Um, like, unless something catastrophic happens and there's an injury in spring training, like a big injury in spring training for like a big contender, then maybe you see somebody pulling the trigger. But I see Reynolds on this opening day roster at uh, at least for now. I think I agree with you. <clears throat> we are well beyond, I think, that point. And the only, the only way anything changes is probably if Reynolds camp really pushes forward. And I don't know if we see that happening either. We're it's it's February. Like we're close. Yep. And I think part of it too, like rosters are pretty much set. Teams could have had a Miguel Andohar for, you know, one point seven five million dollars. And they chose not to. So that shows me just right then and there. You know, rosters are set. They're not they're not trading for Brian Reynolds because they could have had Miguel Andujar without giving up assets, and they chose not to. So, yeah, being facetious there, that could lead us into the Miguel Andujar news that we never really got to talk about either. Yeah, yeah, um, and that was actually kind of an interesting move, and, and I think uh, you know Ethan brought it up on Twitter originally. You know, the, when when he was designated for assignment, I mean, that was that was probably a calculated move by the Pirates. I don't think. Like if somebody was going to take them, take him and his salary, I think they would have been fine with it. Uh, if if they weren't going to take him, they're probably fine with him. You know, being being a depth option and and being a minor league invite to spring training. I think they probably would have preferred somebody take him, and then you know free up that cash that you could then spend on something else maybe. But right now they're paying Miguel Andahar one and a half million dollars or so, and. He is likely starting off in Indianapolis. Yeah, that that depressed me pretty much. I was really looking forward to never having to see Miguel Andujar take another at bat as a Pittsburgh Pirate, and then Ethan just had to crush every dream I ever had. But like Jim said, it, it probably is a smart move when you look at it in the grand scheme. You get to keep another depth piece most likely, and they ended up getting to do so. I just think he stinks at baseball and don't really care to watch him. Like, to add my two cents to this, I would rather never see Miguel Andujar as a Pittsburgh Pirate because I don't believe in his talent. I don't believe in what he has. I don't think he's good, right? But, I mean, maybe the Pirates were hoping, right, someone would take it so they have that cash. But, like, let's look at the grand scheme of things. That amount of money, and he is just a deaf piece. Like, I'm fine with having Miguel Andujar where he's at right now. My whole worry before last year when the Pirates, you know, added him, with just eight games left or nine games, whatever it was, knowing that you know there's no time length that's going to change any opinion that he's going to be on the team this upcoming year, and we were just worried that that was their that was their option, 
They're going full force. Miguel Andohar, he's going to be your opening day, whatever they decided it to be. And the fact that they pivoted and said, we are going to actually do better. I'm okay with where Miguel Andohar is right now because we're not relying on him. He's going to be terrible. But there's that slim, slim chance he's not. And really, like, when you're talking about Major League Baseball in 2023, for his salary, it's, it's worth it. To stash him in the minors, it's worth it. Is Who it? cares? Who cares? It's, it's, it's pennies. It's literally pennies. It's, it's literally not to the Pirates, though. I, that's not the excuse. Like, I'm I sorry, know, but, but I, 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 but look, I agree with you. I don't care if Bob Nutting burns 1.5 million. I right. care more that you're not spending that 1.5 million on maybe a halfway decent reliever. And we eh. have to just burn it in Indy on Miguel Andujar. Yes. I know the optimal solution is just spend 3 million instead. <clears throat> right. But we don't live in that world. Too bad. Stop Financial it, Bob flexibility, Nutting. baby. Like Miguel Andujar should not be stopping you from doing what you need to do this. We off-season. all know this. I know. But we don't live in this perfect planet. Correct. Jim's in e- deep Either thought. way. I know. I was like waiting. I'm like, Jim can speak here, but he's, I don't know. He's in his Yoda suit right now. Well, no, I was, I was looking to see like what relief pitchers were available. Any of them and, is well. More... I, I noticed Chad Green, but but then I I saw that he just signed, so he also was probably Toronto? was a little bit. Yeah, he was probably a little bit out of the Pirates' price range. But how much you been... for? Um, actually, no, two point two five million. But it's a it's a complex contract. Like he gets more after but... that. In our little Pirates world where the Pirates do things the way the Pirates do, I would probably rather take that Vince Velasquez money and the Miguel Andujar money and maybe just go sign a halfway decent player instead. And I don't want to make it like I'm trashing this offseason. For the most part. No, we're not. I've been fine with it. This is just my little side note here. I I just, again, I just want to stress the fact that, like, I get what you're saying, Tyler, but it's you just the, the Pirates just have to do better. But they can't let that interfere on. We couldn't get this reliever because we had to keep Miguel Andujar. That just shouldn't be the process. But again, to the point that I'm trying to make as well is he was out there for just the 1.5. How much was it again? Was it 1.5? I feel like it was 1.75, right? Who cares? Either way, I think not much. And uh, every team passed on it. Like, if you're looking at Miguel Andohar to be this this flyer, right? Like, the Pirates got him finally. He's he's gonna he's gonna produce 20 home runs this year and have an 800 OPS and all this. Every team could have had him for this 1.5 or 1.75. It's undecided this time uh, salary, and they chose not to. So again, that tells you where all the smart people in baseball are siding on Miguel Andohar. So, but again. I'm fine with him being stashed, and then we'll see what happens. That's that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt the Pirates having him there. If something happens and he figures it out, then he's sitting there in, in Indianapolis. Right. If he the doesn't, way, then who cares? 1.525, okay. official number. There you go. 
sure. I mean, whatever. I I can't bring myself to really get that mad about Miguel Andujar because thankfully he's not really on the team anymore. If he does have at-bats this year, something's probably gone really wrong. Especially considering there's 47 outfielders on the 40-man. And now a bunch of first basemen. Yeah, I mean, something would really have to go wrong. Plus, you know, I'm sorry. Every every time you talk right now, I just keep going back to like when Mackie called you out. Like, listen, I just speak in hyperbole like all the time. <laughs> like, and it's just proven time and time again. Like, you just keep doing it. You know, the Pirates have 47 outfielders on the 40 man. Yeah, Jim only speaks in hyperbole. Now, I'm still gonna stand by the. Uh, their payroll is still so low that it's a. Uh, it's a. Um, it's a slap in the face to all humanity, to the human race. Right. <laughs> they could just be paying Brian Reynolds right now. That one point five two million could go to Brian Reynolds. That too. By the way, also want to give a big shout out to Tyler Sweeney with the artwork in the background. Look at that baseball in that bat. That. No more just a big bright wall. Yep. You know what? I didn't even notice that. It's because like you it. haven't been on in like things. 10 years. I do. I like it. I know. I got another one upstairs as I'm just like trying to plug a light in on, on air. I'm going to have to set my game up because I do have kind of like a just a bare wall right there. And then, you know, you've you got my open door right here too. I need to figure something out there. Maybe I'll, yeah. I, I need to get my – I've got a signed – Bill Mazeroski jersey. I need to get that framed. I need, I need to hang it up like right there. I just need to get some better lighting in here. Yeah, that too. It's tough. Get one of those, uh, like what the influencers have, the little ring, uh, ring light. The I ring mean, Denardo has one. I'll bet Denardo has one. Yeah. Denardo definitely has one. Of course one. I do. Of course <laughs> I do. You would the think with would, a, I do big things like, you would guys. Think, you would think with a ring light that like that, you could make better TikToks. <laughs> Shut up. I swear <laughs> to God, Jim. <laughs> no, I don't know what it is about this lighting. It just makes me look gray. It's too like you've got like the it's it's the it's a really white light. Correct. It almost it's too bright. Okay. Let's just workshop this on the air. Are we gonna talk about baseball or what? That's what this show is all about. See what happens if we don't have a guest. <laughs> Listen, well, everyone was forewarned. This is going to be the worst North Shore Nine show you've seen. That is true. But anyways, yeah, no, let's definitely get back into the off season. Yeah. Um, you know, we did talk about the Miguel Andujar. We didn't really officially talk about that news yet. So now that's out the way. Let's get to the full off season. We were talking earlier about you know on this show how excited we are for baseball. Not just for like what we're doing and stuff, but actually because the Pirates, there's some excitement. There's some reason to be excited about it. So I guess let's really dive down into that. I mean, this team, I feel, has definitely improved. It's improved with exciting players, if that makes sense. Like, there's definitely some personalities. And we've talked time and time again, and we even said it with Mackie. You know, like, your best players are Brian Reynolds and Brian Hayes. Like there's just no personality on this team either. There's definitely personality. Team. Like I feel like it's going to be fun because it's going to be more pleasant to watch this year. 
a better performance. But like, I feel like there's going to be some fun moments again. Yeah, it's just not going to be terrible baseball as well, which is really the, well, hopefully not terrible baseball. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I think as a fan, the big thing I'm kind of excited about is that there should be more meaningful games and not as in I'm on the bandwagon thinking they're going to compete for anything. There's a lot of guys on this roster that are going to have a lot of meaningful at-bats this year. The O'Neill Cruz, the Endies. There's, we're not hopefully going to be watching Josh Van Meter play until August. Unless well, you're a first fan, we definitely won't. And I think on top of that, too, is just like the pitching staff has a lot more depth to it. I don't necessarily know how good the depth is yet, but it's like we won't have – I mean, how many starts did Bryce Wilson make last year? 20. Too many. Zach Thompson made 20 starts. You had openers because there weren't, weren't enough starting pitchers. So, you, know, you had Dwayne Underwood Jr. starting games. You had – I mean, it was – the starting rotation was basically Mitch Keller, Rowans, Rowans and Contreras when they weren't manipulating his service time. Right. Quintana before they traded him away. And then, like, Ortiz had a couple games at the end of the year, and Oviedo was super inconsistent his entire time after being traded for. So it was just – it was really rocky. Um and I feel like this year you're going to have at least like you. I feel like there were a lot of times last year where, you know, we had position players pitching because it was 16, nothing, 18, nothing, 19 to one, whatever it was. And I don't think we're going to see that as often this year. Like, I think this team's going to be competitive. I think the pitching staff is going to uh, at least keep the team in ball games. Um, I don't like, I, I still don't think this is a winning team unless a lot of things go right, like above 500 team. But as far as, uh, like, I think this is a 71, 75 win team. Like, as it sits right now, it's a 75 win team. And when you're talking about, like, the difference between last year and this year, that's a 13 game improvement, which is pretty substantial. It's it's a it's a pretty good step in the right direction. I think if they don't win seventy five games, Derek Shelton needs fired. I I could see that. Like depending on how, like this could be his make or break year because this is really the first time he's been handed a roster that should be somewhat competitive. And if they're not competitive, then maybe it's time to move on. And like there's maybe a manager is one of those last pieces they need to kind of take the next step. I've kind of felt like he's probably a sitting duck waiting to get fired or just contract run out, you know, either way. But mm. I also say like, I get the sentiment. I hate to be like, this is the number. And if he doesn't reach 75, he's fired. Like, I mean, all things can be subjective. I, once the season progresses and at the end of the year, we can reevaluate. I don't think like that's just the end all be all, you know, the 75, but I think what you're saying makes sense to a degree. I mean, this year he's gotten some talent. This year, the excuses of, well, he has nothing, so this is why he's got to go to his bullpen now. This is why this decision was made. You know, he actually has options. Um, they're, they're not the best options. That's fair. But they're, they're confident options, which we've all been asking for. You know, he can rely more on the bullpen now. He can rely more on the starters, hopefully. He's got a lineup. It's got some de- – that, that definitely has depth. Um, to 
Jim's point, just a fact checked here. So Zach Thompson had 22 starts. Bryce Wilson had 20. Rowanzi had 18. <laughs> Rowanzi had the six most starts on the year last year. So, and I'm with you. Like, I don't think we know exactly how good the depth is, but it's certainly more interesting. I'm excited and intrigued to find out like what Luis Ortiz can show this year. I had zero interest in Bryce Wilson or Zach Thompson last year. They, he could end up being just as bad, but I, I want to find out. I didn't care about those two. Those two started 42 damn games last year. Yeah. We had to watch them start a game 42 times. Do you That's want one out of four. That's, that's 25% of the games were started by Zach Thompson or Bryce Wilson. Like, like that's not going to happen this year. Do you want to add in the in five starts terms. by Tyler Beattie? And the oh, other, Tyler Beattie, the other too. <laughs> when they just decided to make Tyler Beattie a starter for no damn right. reason. Right. How so many games? 47 how, starts what? by Zach Thompson, Bryce Wilson, and Tyler Beattie. 48 if you include Dwayne Underwood Jr. There you go. 49 Jim, with your hurry. Jim, what was it that you said that the Pirates payroll was? With a, Jared slap, a slap in the face to humanity? Yeah. Starting those three that many games is beyond the slap in the face to humanity. Yeah. I mean, if you, th- I mean, yeah, Zach Thompson and Bryce Wilson were fourth and fifth on the team in starts. So, like, they. Well, third. Oh, well, I guess third, third and tied with fourth with Quintana. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's bad. 42 starts between those two. So think like now you throw them out, you add in a Rich Hill. <clears throat> Ronzi gets more starts. You might see Oviedo, which again, I think ultimately we feel like he's probably more in the, suited for the bullpen, but I'm intrigued. Like I'm willing to see him start. Prove me wrong. He's definitely got better stuff than the guys we've mentioned. Obviously, Luis Ortiz comes and makes more starts. There's there's Burroughs in the in the waiting. There's Priester in the waiting potentially. You know, there's definitely some intriguing options that are there on the cusp. Yeah, and like like someone like Velasquez, I think Velasquez likely starts the season in the rotation, but I don't think he's there very long, like two months. Maybe. I mean, that would be that would be my hope. Yeah, I tend to lean with Jim there. I feel like you sign him for that much, he's going to get – he's at least has the inside track for it. And I think it takes quite a bit to knock him off of it. I also don't know that Oviedo, they really believe him, believe in him as a starter at this moment. But I, I would hate to see him go down to Indianapolis for any reason. Yeah, I mean, I'd much rather have Oviedo in the bullpen I than the Indianapolis but, rotation. right? But do they do that? Do they send him to Indianapolis yeah. to stay on the starter track? Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. Again, it's, it's more of a hope for me than what I think the reality is. But I truly hope Velasquez has used more of the competition route like if we have a guy he's penciled in he's going to but hey kids come beat this guy out and take his spot i really really hope to see that but i agree with all of you that's probably not going to be the case he's probably gonna be a starter they're going to manipulate some time bring up you know Luis ortiz 
maybe oh, we don't know with Oviedo. Um, also, another intriguing part, and not really going to talk too much about this, but with the prospect lists, there is some meaning to those. None of the pitchers are going to be um, part of the the bonus pool, whatever you want to call it, right? They're not right. going to be tied to the service this time and whatever. So, like, they can be manipulated and not end up winning rookie of the year and then have a full year. So there's definitely like implications there. There's not like a reason to really start them on day one or like Andy, you, you could see a reason. They still won't, but you could see a reason they can start them from day one. None of the pitchers will. Yeah. Um, going, going back to, I just want to talk to Oviedo again too. Um, I don't know how this team can afford to send somebody who had the level of production he had last year to AAA. Like the guy had a three, two, one earned run average in 56 major league innings at the age of 24. He's in, it's not like he's like super young. Like he's going to be entering his age 25 season. Like that's a guy you need to have on your team, like in the bullpen or in the rotation. He can't, he can't start the season in Indy. I don't care what they want to do with him. I just made an imaginary argument. Nobody has said anything about sending him a triple A, except for my little side note. Right, there. I'm, I'm just that's those are that's my two cents. But I actually can really see them doing so. I I can too. I think that would be a big mistake. I I think they will. Agree. I I mean I I think that is the plan. That's a bad plan. I mean we saying. I mean we saw it last year when they as soon as they got him they sent him straight to triple A and they said it was to build the start or to build up his arm to be a starter. You could now, have just waited until the offseason to do that. In their really defense, like they needed starts last year towards the end of the year. Like after mm-hmm. Quintana got traded, um, they were watching Contreras' innings. They they like just needed literally needed arms to pitch games. That's why we saw Luis Ortiz. We wouldn't have seen Luis Ortiz if it wasn't for they just they just needed a body. And so I think that's why they went that route with Oviedo. So I think this year may be a little bit different. Um but yeah, I don't think you can like you can't look at that production from last year and 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 convince me that that's a guy who shouldn't be on the major league roster. I look forward to complaining about it in like a month and a half. Me too. I'm with you guys. I just want them to start doing the right thing, opposed to the financial thing. And again, it's not like Vince Velasquez really needs to hold anyone back. It's Vince Velasquez. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and I don't think any decision made with Oviedo is going to be financial related. I mean, he's got a year and a half of service time. So it's not like we're talking about you know, someone who hasn't had a lot of playing time. I think if they send him down, it's just a truly bad baseball decision. We'll see. Um, but regardless, I mean, we were talking about the the rotation, and again, like I think we believe in Mitch Keller. We saw what he did last year. There's certainly some things to believe in with him. Um, do we want to talk about? I mean, it's Mitch Keller season, right? The hype videos come out. We get we get this every single year. Mitch Keller throwing bullpen sessions. Stuff look good. Stuff look good. I'm not gonna put put too much into that. But regardless, I think we all like Mitch Keller. Ronzi, again, we like. Um, certainly has some things he can improve on, as Tyler can point out. Talk to him maybe a little more about here. But uh, certainly more starts out of him is also. 
But I don't know, Tyler, what's your thoughts? Come on, pitching Yinza. What do you think about Ronzi this oh, year? God. Um, it's going to be interesting what they do with his innings. I think that's the big part. Just to start with him, he's not a guy that's built really to maintain a lot of innings. I I look at him more as like the Francisco Liriano mold. When you get him, he should be lights out, and you're maybe going to get 140 to 160 innings a year, which I guess nowadays that's not bad. There, there's definitely a lot to work on command-wise. You'd like to see him be able to work both sides of the plate. The stuff obviously plays. And I've said it before, I'm, I may be a little more excited about Ortiz than Contreras, but that's just more of the workload that I think Ortiz will be able to maintain rather than Contreras. But the stuff's absolutely electric. Him, Keller, Ortiz, as you're... As three guys that have kind of shown something in the majors is a good start. So at least I'm like slightly optimistic about the rotation this year. Slightly. When you throw in a guy too, we haven't even mentioned his name, but like JT Brubaker has, has basically proven that, you know, he's, he's a major league starter. He's not going to blow anybody away with his stuff or his, or his results, but. I mean, he's kind of proven time and time again that he belongs in the, in the major leagues. Yeah. So I guess what I'd ask, where do you guys actually, what number starter do you guys actually see Contreras in a rotation? Do you see him as a one, two, three, four, five? I think oh. if you're putting a ceiling on it, I think he, he's like a two, like if everything works out great. Because like you said, I don't know if he can be like that workhorse ace who's going to give you like 200 innings and strike out 240 people like a Garrett Cole type of guy. Um, but I think he could be like a uh, just throwing a I don't even know uh, Tristan McKenzie maybe you know somebody like that I don't mm. I, I, mean, I have to look at his numbers but um, but like I think that's maybe like a ceiling um, but easily like in a good year I think Contreras could put up a three to four win season. Uh, just like I think that's maybe Keller's ceiling as well. I don't think I expect that out of Keller. I think I'm I'm kind of if Keller's a two win pitcher, then I'm cool with that. Like that's kind of where I'm I'm settled with him. Um, but uh, I think I I expect a little bit more out of Contreras. I think. Yeah, the thing the comparison of Keller and Contreras, I think, is Keller gets there by innings, and Contreras gets there by just kind of domination and limited innings. Like Keller could put up a four win season just with a three and a half ERA and pitching 200 innings. He seems like the type that could handle a 200 inning workload. I agree with that. He had 160 last year and that, I mean, you you would expect that he could take a step forward from that. I don't think I, I, I'm not expecting it, but he, he certainly capable of doing it. Like it's not outside the realm of possibility. And I put a lot of that too is not so much his fault. I mean, the Pirates are pretty much allergic to putting their starters in for the sixth inning, you know? So much of those are forced limitations on him. But uh, I, I guess I'm with Tyler. Like, I feel like Contreras' stuff is better. It's more electric in that sense. But I like the McKenzie comp when you said it. But actually, when I looked here, you know, McKenzie threw 191 innings last year. I would never have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that either. Never have guessed that. <laughs> Just guessing like, by actually, like the way he looks. I was not like, a I, good comp. Yeah, yeah. yeah but like, and thinking too, like <laughs> kind of seeing Tristan McKenzie and watching him and such, I would have guessed he probably like threw 160 last year. No, 191. 
Yeah, so never mind. Take that player. So, but I guess like I'm in the same sense. I'm with you because I feel like he, I'm more comfortable like labeling him a number three starter just because I don't think he's going to be like the workhorse. And especially talking playoffs. So we've talked about this too. Like if you're heading into the playoffs, you want two dogs at the top. And I'm not sure if I feel comfortable putting Contreras in that realm right now. So he could prove us wrong. He has it in him, like like Jim said, like the ceiling of a number two. But I feel more comfortable saying he's planning him out as like a, a number three type of pitcher. The other thing about Contreras right now is we know he's got the elbow issues that he's dealt with quite a bit. I feel more comfortable now if Contreras gets has to get stitches and than I did last year by far. If he has to go under the knife, I feel a lot better now about the t- pitching depth. Last year, it felt like it was Contreras or bust. He had to be a dude. Him and Keller had to be guys, or we're set back another two, three, four years. I feel like through development, we started to maybe get a little, and Keller being better helps, but we started to get a little bit more optimistic about it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like Keller, Keller kind of showing that he's a capable major league starter. Brubaker kind of showing us again, he's a capable major league starter. And then you bring in Rich Hill, who's, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be just fine. He's always just like, he's always good. Um, I don't, I don't expect anything else. I don't think, expect anything different this year out of him. Uh, and then you just kind of throw in all of the guys who are pretty close to the majors Priester, Burroughs, Ortiz, Oviedo, and you don't need all those guys to hit. Like you don't need you don't need all of those guys to be good starting pitchers. If two of them work out, then you're in good shape. Like then you've got you know a homegrown pile of Keller, Contreras, two other guys, and you know you can always go out there and, and find a fifth piece to a rotation. That's not very difficult to do on any given season. So I think they're they're in a much better spot from a pitching depth standpoint than they were a year ago. I would agree with you there. Yeah, fully. I think we talked about last year. Keller changed everything. Keller turning around and showing he's a competent pitcher changes so much. And then obviously now with like the emergence of Luis Ortiz coming out of nowhere, essentially, that's that's a big uh, step too. So I guess I'm with you, Tyler. Like it's not going to hurt the organization as much. You know, it's it's a pill you can swallow a little easier. But I certainly don't. Still want to see Contreras go down. That's no, it's still, still not. It's still not going to be good, <laughs> especially yeah. if like next year is that year where you should see like the chips starting to go into the table, right? You're starting to go all in. Yeah, less than ideal, but it's not going to be an organization killer, I guess, in that sense. So uh, yeah, I guess we're feeling a lot, lot more comfortable with the rotation. Um, I guess let's get to the bullpen. We'll save the bats for last because I feel like it's the most exciting part. Um, so the bullpen, it was a disaster last year. Um, and I know you all jokingly, in a way, it, it shows it improved, but you had to do it by trading position players. But regardless, like they did improve upon the bullpen um, by trading away the position players and the Quintana. So... What are your thoughts this year on the bullpen itself? Uh, I think it has more depth, right? So, again, like, you 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 can expect quite a bit of attrition 
in the major league bullpen over the course of a season. Like you're going to get injuries. And I think the fact that they've got, you know, someone like Oviedo, right. Who can be in the bullpen. He can start, you know, maybe, maybe that's where his values at, um, you know, Holderman, uh, Johan Ramirez. I don't think he's any good, but you know, he's, he's there. Um, Colin Selby, you know, some, some other depth. He survived the roll five draft. Um, actually Selby, did they add him? They did. Yeah. They added him, didn't they? Yeah. He's on the 40 man. Yep. So, um, and then, you know, you're looking at the other guys, uh, Bednar, Stevenson, Crow, De Los Santos, um, Chase DeYoung, Garcia, Underwood Jr., Jose Hernandez, the Rule 5 pick. So I think it's got some depth in it. Um, I like the lefties. I, I think Garcia is a good – he's probably the best lefty we've had in that bullpen in a while. Um, I'm interested to see what Jose Hernandez can do as that Rule 5 pick. He kind of intrigues me a little bit. Uh, but I like Gary De Los Santos. Like from what we saw of him, he had you know one or two blow-up games. But other than that, he looked really good in his time uh, in the majors. I don't think Chase DeYoung is necessarily good, but you know he saw those results last year. So like, who who really knows? He could just be one of those guys where he, he gets results and it just looks bad doing it. I I don't I don't think Dwayne Underwood Jr. is that good, but he's like I don't think he sucks. And like same thing with Will Crow. Like I think if we saw Will Crow look really dominant in certain times of the year last year, and I think he just got worn down. So I. I'm curious to see how the guys look with more depth. Someone brought up in the chat earlier, you know, it would be nice if Shelton didn't pitch all these guys multiple innings every time they, they, they pitched. Cause it like, you saw it, you saw them all wear down as the season went along. And that had to do with the, the starting pitchers at the beginning of the year, just not being capable of going deep into games. So if those starting pitchers can consistently get past five, if they can pitch at least five, maybe six, and sometimes seven, like if they can get into that those six and seventh innings, I think that alone will help out this bullpen quite a bit because they were just the the your best guys last year just got overworked. Yeah, I'm still not thrilled with it. It's obviously better than last year, but I mean that's not an accomplishment. Last year was a joke. Uh, Bednar hopefully being healthy helps a lot. I'd like to see Will Crow used more in like a Chris Davinsky role. I mentioned that before, back when he was throwing multiple innings for the Astros, but they were giving him actual off days and not making him throw two and then come back two days later, throw one, then another day later, throw two more. Actually set him up on his like a reliever starter schedule. Um, I like Robbie Stevenson a little bit. I like De Los Santos. There's guys there to like. It's just there's not really much dominance out of them. You don't. There's not yeah. like that seven eight. There's Bednar, and then there's not a seven eight inning guy that's going to come in and strike out three. It's a lot of guys that can get the job done, but you're not going to. It's not going to overwhelm you whenever you see it. Which once again, it's an upgrade over last year, but it's not something I'm really thrilled about. That's an excellent that point. Best way of putting it. I don't think this bullpen excites you, but it's again, I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest takeaway this year is competency. Like this bullpen is at least competent. There's not, you don't have to 
like refer to anyone as the tank commander anymore. You know what I mean? Like that's where we're at. But that's where I mean that's where this team was. Fair? Like there's players yeah, that no, are just that's, so that's, bad that they're referred fair. to as the tank commander. You don't have that anymore. Like there's actual options. Now, how good those options will be, we'll find out. I I find that most guys have at least somewhat intrigue in them, you know, where like previous years, it was just like that person's bad. I, I know I'm probably more favorable on Dwayne Underwood Jr. than you guys, but I take it for what he is. He's he's not exciting, but it'll give you those needed innings. And now this team has hopefully more competent players that you don't need Dwayne Underwood, Underwood Jr. to give you like those stressful innings. You know, he'll just give you the needed innings to get through the season. And like you're talking about with Will Crow, like I feel like there's some actual intrigue with him. Maybe he can be a better pitcher because he's not needed to throw out 17 innings a week in relief. You know, he can be used and managed better. And you, you said, said you, say, I, I, you said I'm being. <laughs> <laughs> you just that wasn't. That was a real. That's yeah. a stat. That's <laughs> look at him on fan graphs. He averaged 17 innings a week. I bet you any money. But, you know, again, like with De Los Santos, I find some intrigue. Even with Stevenson, like I find some intrigue with him. Now we'll find out. And if he's not good, he's not good, and that's fine. But that's where this team has. Like if he's not good, there's still other options out there. It's not as if if he's not good, well, it doesn't matter. He he needs to be in that seventh and eighth inning role. So that's where I'm at as well. It's not exciting, but there's certainly options. And, again, this goes back to Shelton. It gives Shelton actual options to use. I think um... – like a good a good exercise as opposed to last year with a lot of these guys is like if any of these pitchers on the 40 man roster right now if the pirates just dfa'd them tomorrow they'd probably all get picked up by another team like they're all everyone on this roster from from the pitching staff standpoint is like deserving of a, of a major league roster spot so I think that that's kind of, that's a that's a step up from where it was last year. There were guys on that team last year who had no business being uh, on a major league roster, right? Uh, but so we have at least reached the point where, like, if the Pirates DFA any of these guys, another team's going to want them. Like we're we're at that point. Um, and, and I think Tyler brings up a good point. Like the the bullpen's better than it was. Step forward, but. If you really want to go to the bullpen, you need dominance, and they really just don't have that. You know, I wouldn't even label David Bednar as a dominant reliever. He's good, but that's it. And he's he, the he best be. one. And he's he the best be. one. I think. I mean, it, I think he very well could be. But I think I it's think... also fair to not label him there yet, just because of the season he had. My point. Yeah, of yeah. I th- maybe two years ago, I think he was dominant. Last year, not so much, but he was also used a lot differently last year. Um, really I don't know, man. So early violent. on, I think. I mean, he was early yeah. on to me. Yeah, I don't. It wasn't until that Dodgers game where things just seemed to shit hit the fan. Turn, but you know, when you're the closer and used for three innings, because that's the only way to win a baseball game. Because we really have to win this game. In Los Angeles, when nobody's watching at one in the morning, except for Jim and I. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for doing that post game show, by the way. But that's <laughs> no, I was out of town that day. I remember. Ah, Denardo did it solo. Were you? I was watching from a uh, from a from a sofa in an Airbnb in St. Louis, from Missouri. I remember. 
Maybe we yeah, didn't do a post game then. I definitely I watched it. But like you go back to the old dominant pirates bullpens, seven, eight, nine, you could almost shut the TV off and just check the score in the morning, make sure they won. You still can't do that at all. It is nice to see some guys. Unlike last year, there's some velocity in the bullpen. I don't feel like we've seen guys throw a 97, 98 in a little while, other than Bednar, really. And he doesn't even really throw that. Um, so there, there's a little bit of velo there, a little bit of power. I'd like to see a little more. And really, a lot of that comes from your development of pitchers in general. Those failed starters haven't turned into relievers for the Pirates in a long time. They don't have Tony Watson turn it into a reliever. It's a good point. The failed starters have just been failed pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also my fear with Sherrington going to the college pitcher route last year. There's not many guys that are really overpowering in that sense. Most of them, he felt, I felt like he drafted for pitchability. Yeah, so, so I... I don't know. I feel like there's some guys though recently that they've drafted as starters where like there's a pretty good fallback option for them. And you know, I, I'm I'm looking at you know Burroughs as an example. Like if Burroughs fails as a, as a starter, he's got two really good pitches, right? Yeah, sure. And like that's, he should. That, that's a Neil Huntington draft pick. Yeah, like he should be a reliever at a minimum. Um, Kyle Nicholas is another one in in the the Stallings trade where probably going to be a failed starter, but again two good pitch, at least one really good pitch and, and some velocity. So, you know, you look at like Burroughs, Nicholas, Majinski kind of fits that same role too, um, along Jones, with like Jerry maybe. Jones. Yeah. yeah. So like they've got some guys, I think where, you know, if everything goes right, they're starters, but they have a pretty good reliever makeup too. If they, if they need to go that route. Oviedo. Oviedo falls yeah. in that category too. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess like all in all, we feel the the bullpen is more competent. And again, that's mainly my thing. It's it's more competent. Exciting isn't the word, but I think it's it's gonna be more pleasant. I, I just feel like for most years it felt like when you know if there was a win, the bullpen come in. Like Tyler said, you can go to bed. It was quite the opposite. You know, when the bullpen came in, if it wasn't Crow or Bednar coming in, well, the game's over. It's done. <laughs> And uh, this year, I think, again, it's, it'll be interesting to find out. And maybe some guys can't emerge. You know, that's what we talk about, too. Like, that's what makes a bullpen. We talk about the Orioles as well. Like, the Orioles was a, a collection of just misfits, right? DFA'd guys and waiver claims or whatever. And look at the Orioles bullpen last year. It was pretty good. I'm not saying that's, like, the path the Pirates are going to take here and do. But there's certainly options. And, like, some guys could potentially stand out. Again, like – Delo Santos, I'm kind of excited to see like what he'll do at a full healthy season. Maybe he becomes a dude, right? And that'll really certainly help out um, and such. So the bullpen, certainly um, an upgrade over last year. So let's get down to the bats. There's a lot of moves, I feel like, on this side. That's, I think it was the majority of like the veteran leaders, right? The, the majority of the signings came into. Um, how do we feel about this lineup, guys? It has it has a lot more length to it than we've seen in Pirates lineups in the past. I think that's kind of where where I, I'm I'm getting excited about the lineup a little bit. 
Um, you know, outside of Austin Hedges, everyone else in this lineup is probably an average hitter or better. You know, whereas last year we would throw out lineups where five through nine were hitting 179 and slugging 280, right? And it, it was like, all right, it, if I'm if, if we're gonna get no hit, right? This is this is gonna be a good day for it. Um, those types of lineups way, that, that's also a real stat. <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't think those types of lineups are gonna like we're not gonna see those a lot this year. Um, we should see more competitive lineups with 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 some length to it. Um, and, and then once Andy Rodriguez comes up, then you then you should be able to put together a solid one through nine if you're putting your best nine guys out there. I think a lot of it rides on like I'm interested to see what Castro does with a full season. Look good towards the end of last year. I'm not sold on him. Like I don't think he's like I don't think you can like mark his name in pen as the second baseman of the future. But uh I think he has a he has a good opportunity to take a stranglehold on that second base position if he wants it. Like he's gonna be given that shot. Um and if he's not, there's options behind him. So that's that's the that's the one good thing there is like your your biggest question mark in the lineup is probably Castro. Swinsky's a question mark too. But like if Castro doesn't work out, you've got Bay, you've got Gonzalez, you've got Piguero. You've got people right behind them who are willing and eager to to take that spot. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. That's that's the big part is the depth behind Castro and like you said, he is the biggest question mark other than Swinsky. I'm not a full believer in him yet. I like him enough. I think he definitely gets the first opportunity at it. Um, the other part about the lineup, they really seem to cut down on the strikeouts this year. With all the acquisitions they brought in, I don't think we're going to see as many strikeouts. We should see more competitive at-bats. Hopefully that leads to maybe some better numbers with runner in scoring position. That's my big hope here, maybe going the Guardian route where they didn't strike out much. They didn't hit many homers, but they just put the ball in play. Everybody just did a job. Yep. Yep. You know, we did discuss this, um, I feel like, last week. For the most part, but Neil. But a lot of on-base guys. Like, I feel like that was the, the number one target this year for the offense. Everyone they added. Except for Austin Hedges, of course, got on base. So um, th- there's certainly that. But let's also talk to you know we we discussed G-Man Choi, and of course Carlos Santana is a big part of it. Andrew McCutcheon to a little lesser degree, but a lot of these guys are are guys that you feel with the shift being banned, an actual improvement. And, and we discussed this too. Like I know there's a lot of people like really really stressing this part. Mind you guys. The shift span for everybody as well. So everyone's going to improve. So you can't just look and say, well, this person got shifted on his batting average or whatever, so he's going to be better. Well, everyone's going to average out. But I feel like with Carlos Santana, he was like the worst one, right? And like you can definitely see an improvement on him. And Jim, you're the one who brought up the uh, – where that come from? Was that fan graphs as well? Uh, hits and such? It was a uh, baseball savant article. Got you. And, and they alluded had- to like – yeah, Kutch probably gets like, Kutch. yeah, both of them. My bad, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, Kutch was going to get like what eight more hits, and Santana was twelve. 
Was that the numbers? Something like that. Yeah. And that's pretty substantial. Like those guys certainly probably would see an improvement amongst the shift. So like, that's the thing too. When you look at their last year numbers, Santana isn't like super impressive. Kutch isn't super impressive, but you could certainly see them improve this year. Um, and then like just going by zips and I know it's projections, right. And we don't understand what those mean, how they work, but just by the zips projections, Santana is projected at a 112 way to runs created plus. Kutch is projected at a 109 way to runs created plus. Uh, like Jim said, like every person in this lineup should be able to hit f- about being an average hitter, right? At least a 100 way to runs created plus outside of hedges and probably Cabrine. Now, if he can, that'll be a huge thing as well. Um, so yeah, like I think that's like that's what I'm excited about with this lineup. It's not a black hole after the the fourth or possibly fifth hitter. Like there is some real length. Um, and it could get better with Endy coming up at the end of the year. Uh, like you mentioned with Castro, same way. Like Castro to me is almost like that Luis Ortiz. Like he could be a big difference with his organization on the offensive side. Like he wasn't supposed to be anything. If he can become a second baseman, that gives you a lot of options with Figaro and Gonzalez. I mean, you're looking at could be potential trade chips to give you something else that you need down the line or whatever. Um, so yeah, like I like the talent in Castro. We'll see if he can give you the production, but um, yeah, like when it comes to this lineup, I'm actually like this is what really excites me about this Pirates team. And understand the use of my word excitement. Yeah, I mean, Castro last year, he, he had 71 games. He had 11 home runs, right? So, I mean, the power seems to be legit. We saw what he did his his first time in the majors. I think his first five hits were, like, home runs. So, like, yeah. the power is there. It's just a matter of can he put together a good approach? Can he play second base? Can he be more consistent? Um, and if you're, if you're getting that – if you're getting 20-plus homer – productivity out of your second baseman and he's playing good defense, then it's hard to ask for too, too much more than that. Mind you, you might also be getting 30 home run production on your shortstop. (laughs) That's going to be the most exciting thing. I think I think about this season is just to like, see like how O'Neill Cruz finished last year, right? Like that, that last like five weeks or so he was just, it's like, a switch just, you know, like a, a, a just it just flipped. flipped flipped in his head. There we go. And, Use your uh, words. Yeah, it just flipped in his in his head, and he just became he became a really good major league hitter that pitchers were scared of, and teams did not want to see him up there at the plate. And he made people pay, like when when they attacked him. I, I mean, I still go back to like his big at bats against Jacob Degrom, like that game where Degrom was just mowing people down. It was what, what was a one nothing game, and then one swing of the bat, O'Neill Cruz takes the lead. Degrom gets knocked out. He's the he's in line for the loss. Just and that's that's not like against some bum. Like he did it against Jacob Degrom. He had big hits. He had Sandy Alcant- Alcantara, Corbin Burns. Like he was taking the games. He was playing well against the game's best pitchers. So can he build upon that and become like the superstar that they really need him to be? Not to mention, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on what Neil Walker said last week about Cabrian Hayes. And I know you just brought it up. 
Cabrian's numbers from last year and whether he can be a league average hitter. I am very excited to see what Cabrian Hayes can do this year with Andrew McCutcheon on this team as well. Walker talked about how much Kutch can help him, and we discussed the inside-out approach that Kutch did have early in his career. I'm just really excited to see an actual offseason of those two together and see if anything could change here with Cabrian Hayes. Not to mention, he's just he's going to be healthy. And he hasn't been healthy in years. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, he, if he plays 150 games last year, he's a three-and-a-half win player. And that was being a terrible hitter. Awful. So, like, Remote. if the dude can just hit. League average. Yeah. If the dude can hit league average, he's a five-win player. I'm with you, though, Tyler. I, I guess, I mean, just hearing Neil talk about that, it did really excite me. Get me going. And it's like, now that's something I want to watch this season about with Cabrian. Maybe there is something more there. I mean, we yeah, know, like, the talent's there as well. We talk about exit velocities and all this, too, right? But just it's just not happening. And it's just like a tweak away. Maybe that's what gets it going for him. And you guys can pick up on it down at spring training. We will. See if he's pulling the baseball. <laughs> Tell us how it looks on TV. I will. To be honest, you probably would have to. I anticipate probably being a little inebriated. So I might not pick up on it too well. Shocker. <laughs> Sounds hey, like a vacation it's... too. Good Lord. Like Jim comes to Jacksville. You get inebriated every night. Jim's stuck there picking up tabs for you. Yeah. What a friend. Imagine coming all the way down here to see me. But by the way, Jim was down here. I, I saw Jim for three nights. Now I haven't seen you down, down here, Tyler. Just saying. Pause. But anyways... I am excited for Cabrian in that aspect. And you know what? I, I feel like we have to keep bringing this guy up too because we do in the same sense. We keep talking about Smith and Jigba for the fact of like he's just forgotten. And it was a guy that we, all three of us, were kind of excited to see last year. I think we, we like his talent. He didn't really get to showcase it because of the injuries. So I'm not labeling him as like I believe he's going to be a star player, but I, I'm, I have intrigue with him. And it's not as if there's – we talk about the depth of the outfield. It's not like there's a lot of good depth that there's really people keeping him down. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what maybe he could do this year. There's a lot to like about the approach, right? Like that, I think that's probably the thing that I, I'm most excited to see uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba over like a long period of time is just like – you know, how can he, how can he help this lineup out? How can he help the team? Because he clearly possesses a skill and I mean, he's shown it at every single level, a ball, 14% walk rate, double a 17% walk rate, triple a 15% walk rate on base percentages above or near 400 at every step of the minors. The guy gets on base. He has a really good um, clear sense of the strike zone that's something where Tyler brought up earlier. That's just something this team has missed is just people who get on base, right? There's, we, 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 we swing and miss a lot. Um, Smith and Jig was not a guy who, who, who's, I think is going to do that. I think he's going to be pretty selective up there. Uh, and, and he, he has the potential to, to be pretty good. Like his profile throughout the minors. It's, it's someone who 
like looking at it, it should translate to the majors, but he's got to be given that opportunity. He's got to be healthy. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him get his chance at a roster spot in spring training. Cause he's absolutely going to get a spot, get a chance to make this team. And if he does, he could be, uh, he could be helpful. Maybe, maybe he's the guy who takes like the reins on an outfield spot. I don't know, but the, the walk rate is certainly intriguing. Yeah, I've liked him for a long time. I don't know that he takes Connor Joe's spot. And Connor Joe's a guy that I don't hate. I don't love him, but I don't mind him as a fourth outfielder type. He, he's he's, fine. he's another guy that's should be a competent major leaguer. Smith and Jigba. He I think the raw power's there. The game power hasn't shown up. But he's built like a guy that should have power. Yeah, like you is. said, the the approach is terrific. We even saw it in his few games. He's very selective. The swing and miss really isn't in his game. I don't really know that much about how he plays defensively, but he's definitely a kind of in that like mold of that third outfielder that maybe like a Jordan Luplo. I'm just going previous Pirates that seem to walk a lot that you just assume they're going to be productive major leaguers. And this is a team that really does need those. I'm not going to say this is a good comp in the sense of like perfect player, but I guess a good comp of Jordan Luplo's made a major league career out of himself. I mean, he has, right? Like there was not a whole a lot of expectations out of him. Six years. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So like, I guess a good comp in that sense of if, Smith and Jigba can kind of like carve out a loop low career. It's not bad. That's a good comp right there too. Yeah, I mean, like that's like best case scenario. I think. Now imagine trading Jordan Luplo <laughs> for Eric Gonzalez. Let's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's where we're at. Like you know, again, understand our expectations. Why we're excited for him. It's not as I think he's going to be a, a starting outfield or such, but I, I do like his talent. I, I want to see it because there's not many options out there that I am excited for. Certainly not of Ryan Valade. So let it be Kanan Smith and Jigba. And if he can carve himself out to be some platoon or fourth outfielder, or I'm cool with that. But yeah, Tyler, that's the thing too. Like, first off, he comes with a fan that's very athletic. <laughs> I feel like there's something in the genes there. Uh, he's six foot two thirty. I feel like there should be more power there. Like I, I keep comparing to Maurice Jones Drew. Like that's just what he looks like. Again, he looks like Maurice Jones. He is Drew. a lot taller than him. I mean, he is a lot taller, but th- th- he's a bowling ball. He's built. He's yeah. a bowling ball. So like I feel like the power should be there. Uh, if that translates, I think that's what really could set him apart. But just getting on base and like all the other stuff, um, I, I am excited to see what he can do this year. He is a guy that intrigues me. He's probably the outfielder I'm most excited about right now. Outside of Andrew McCutcheon and Brian Reynolds. Obviously. Prospect wise. Okay. I am. You know what? I am more confident that Kanan Smith and Jigba will be a productive major leaguer over Jack Sawinski. I think Smith and Jigba has a better career. That's interesting. Okay. I would put him probably about even. Sawinski has shown that, you know, he possesses major league power at home, at least. 
not according to Narda. <laughs> but but no, I I think you can probably throw them both in the same boat when it comes to like their futures. They they do things differently. I'll say that. The other thing is. And we'll we'll see how more tests out, but Solinsky looked really good on defense, though. Also, mm-hmm. that's fair. So, but regardless, um, I don't think I don't I don't hear you say that and say you're out of your mind. I think we've all thought Solinsky is more suited to be a fourth outfielder. I don't think last year really changed too much of that, but his season was just so ridiculous. I, like, so I got to throw it all out again and see what he does this year. But uh, I, I I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Sam says, what about, what about a guy like Matt Gorski, fellas? I just don't love the swing and miss in the game. I don't like it. I just I think he's, uh, at best, like a fourth outfielder. I'm at absolute best as well. I have, I have no faith in Matt Gorski. I really think that people are just like, there's too much talk about Matt Gorski and not enough about Jared Triola. That's the guy that people should be talking about. He can actually play defense and has not struck out at an astronomical rate. Against guys 13 years younger than him. Yeah. Yeah. I like Gorski probably more. Actually. No, you don't. Triolo's versatility is good in the, the defense, but like I don't think either are going to amount to much if I had to bet. Yeah, but we're talking about like who's better and – I just gave you a sleeper, so. Well, the Pirates clearly thought Triolo was better because they added him to the 40-man and not Gorski. And for once, they were right. They agree with me. (laughs) I agree. Uh, The the issue with Gorski is, you know, it took him, what, three years to finally start hitting the single ball. Yeah, Gorski's got that, like, Mason Martin hype right now. Yeah. Where we all know it's not good. He's not good. Just move on. I don't know. I, I don't even compare it to Mason Mar- Martin hype. I feel it's even less than Mason Martin. Yeah, but if it, oh, I almost have more faith in Mason Martin if he, Mason Martin didn't have his season he had last year. God, he sucked last year, didn't he? Yes, because he's also not good. <laughs> yeah, the thing with, like I said, going back to Gorski, if you're striking out 29%, 30% of the time in double-A as a 24-year-old, you're probably not going to be a successful major leaguer. Just doesn't, I mean, it just, that's math. Math ain't mathin'. <laughs> yeah, so I guess there's your answer. None of us really believe in Gorski's talents. So there's that. Yeah, I got no desire. I'm good. So he do we want to give out do we want to give out grades? Are we done talking about the offensive part? Sure. Thank you for keeping the show on the track there, Donardo. I'm yeah. trying. Again, you know. My mind doesn't work in seven-second spurts. I can control on a whole hour-and-a-half show. It's an hour and 15 minutes. You're welcome. I want to give my grade last. Okay. Okay. Tyler, you want to go first or me? I'll go first. Okay. Crack the neck a little bit. Let me think. I think, uh, oh, man. I'm between two grades. I think I got to give it. I'll give it a B minus only because Andrew McCutcheon came back. Before that, I would have gave it a C plus. 
that's a little above average. Andrew McCutcheon coming back, just my own personal feelings alone, just bumps it up a little bit of a letter grade. It's not phenomenal. Like, it's it's been fine. It's what we should expect. So I think you and I are on the same wave path here, Tyler. I'm giving it a B- minus as well. Um, I don't know if first. Andrew McCutcheon changed it. Now, th like, the thing about Kutch, I don't want to give this grade on a personal feeling. Like, the Kutch move means so much more than the Kutch player being added, right, if, if that makes sense. Kutch itself being added, like, makes this offseason what it is. And it, it's, like, it's such a good story. But, like, for the team and, like, if I'm going to grade Ben Charrington and how – as the kids say, how well he cooked, right? Well, first off, Kutch had to come to Ben Charrington and said, sign me. But regardless of that, <laughs> um, I give it a B minus because I'm with you. Like, there were certainly moves, and even with Kutch in there, every move made the team better. They finally got the veterans you're asking for. It, it's a competent team. But to me, I felt like this was the minimum they had to do. You know, like, no, they didn't really go out there and sign anyone who – Again, Kutch is exciting because it's Andrew McCutcheon. He's not exciting because this is the stud they brought in on a four-year contract, right? They're they're putting players, you know, alongside Brian Reynolds, and they're gonna go out there and win for multiple years. No, by the way, Brian Reynolds asked for a trade, so that's also part of this offseason because they said we're not paying you. So again, like it's still a B minus to me because they did the bare minimum. There's the positive of Kutch. But there's also the negative of Reynolds. And Reynolds might be traded. I don't know. We'll find out. But regardless, it doesn't count for the offseason. I give it a B minus because to me it was the bare minimum that was needed, but at least they did it this time. And my name's Jim Rosati. I'm giving it an A plus because they signed Andrew McCutcheon. They should have done this years ago. You think you stopped at an A plus? Oh yeah. Remember a Christmas story with a teacher, right? Because his thesis, it's just plus Jim's writing on the wall, just everywhere. Plus, 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 plus. Lifetime nah, concept, so Andrew McCutcheon. So, so Tyler hit the nail on the head. I think pre-Kutch, C+. Plus. You know, like, they, they did what they needed to do. Um, but, yeah, after an Andrew McCutcheon, A+, plus, 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 all the pluses, infinite amount of pluses. I don't care what else they did. They could have done nothing. They could have traded the entire team for all I care. The fact that they Andrew McCutcheon is a pirate again. A plus plus plus. Cannot wait for opening day to see pirate in a in a pirate's uniform to see McCutcheon in a pirate's uniform. Over the PA announcer, batting now number 22, Andrew McCutcheon. Crowd goes wild. I'm I'm gonna cry. You guys, I'm gonna cry on opening day. What, what a dumb fanboy. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm fanboying out right now. A plus Andrew McCutcheon's back. I don't care about the rest. So what if they try trade Brian Reynolds tomorrow? A plus. <laughs> and they get I, back a reliever. I'm gonna be honest. I kind of hope they trade him tomorrow just so we can share that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good content. See, you know what? That's what you're you're thinking the way a good content creator would. That's would true. Think. No, yeah, who cares I'm, about the team? My TikToks, <laughs> though. You know what I already thought about? Every single time you guys have said Tyler is right, Tyler hit the nail on the head, I'm just going to throw them all into one video and post it. Well, that will take seven seconds, so yeah. 
That's fine. Oh, no, there's plenty. I'm very smart. My mom says it all the time. Oh, man. So, uh, again, though, it's it's B minuses for all of us reasonable people, A plus for Jim. Um, but even like, again, with that said, the Andrew McCutcheon just means so much. And like, it's got me so excited for this season. Andrew McCutcheon is a Pittsburgh Pirate. That means a lot. That means a hell of a lot. Yeah. Now it was the worst. It up. The top five worst days of my life is when they traded Andrew McCutcheon. Like with, like, it's up there with the worst days of my life. I mean, they got Brian so, Reynolds back. They they haven't like fixed it right because it still happened. So I'm, I won't forgive them for what they've done to me. But I'll never forgive this, you. This helps. <laughs> this helps a little bit. Cool, I mean, cool. They they get Brian Reynolds back. Do you think that's gonna? You think gonna trade Reynolds and then get Reynolds back in the future too? You know it's gonna be hilarious when they trade him at the deadline this year, McCutcheon, and Jim just has another meltdown. So again, it's gonna be, it's I gonna don't be great content. I try not thinking for the content, <laughs> but boy, oh boy, Tyler, I kind of want to get you McCutcheon trade at the deadline for all the content I'm gonna put out there for Jim. As he left the show. <laughs> no, I really will lose my mind if they trade him at deadline. I'll it's be not going to happen. Like it just, I'll be, it's, it's, it's I not will be happen. Team Jim all the way. For all the cynical people, for all the people that will say this for whatever, like it just, it's, it's not going to happen. It won't. But regardless, this is a part of me that wants it to. Again, you know me. I've said this before on the air too. Like I want to see the world burn. Yeah, I will bite the hell is that saying bite my tongue this bite my foot, whatever it is like i i, I like that well, you're stuff. a terrible person i am a terrible person no <laughs> i fair. i will agree to that i understand that i know who i am Correct. and with that Bad. said i don't want to see cuts traded but it's not the worst thing in the world for the other things that will happen that i will enjoy so if if it did happen i also would have fun in it because I know how many. If they trade, tra- if they trade Andrew McCutcheon again, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> that's done. again. I find the beauty in everything, and that's a beautiful thing. Jim being done, very beautiful. Done. I'm done. Can't wait. <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> I need to get in Ben Charrington's DMs right now. Hold on. <laughs> what will it take to trade Andrew McCutcheon? But anyways, yeah, I don't think it's happening. Um, he'll be here for the full year and Maybe. potentially more from what Maybe. it sounds like. Maybe. Maybe. Or he's going to be hitting 280, 350, 450, and the Pirates are going to be 30 games below 500, and they can get a top pitching prospect for him. I mean, what would you prefer, Jim? Build for the future or save your childhood idol? <laughs> I guess before we wrap up some questions here, Sam does say, is there an actual real chance we see Andy in June, July? I mean, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, he'll be up the latest, the super two deadline, June 8th. I think yeah. it's stupid that he's not up beforehand. 
he is in line that he can be awarded a full season's worth of service time if he is is the top three votes for rookie of the year or top yeah. two, three, right? I thought it was, so I thought it was two. two. Is it two? Yeah, it's two. So if he's in the top two rookie of the year voting, he'll get a full year of service time anyways. He has that type of potential in him, just like O'Neill Cruz had that potential in him as well. You all know my viewpoint. Let, let the kids put him out there. Let the kids prove you right. The worst comes to worst. He's not doing it. You send him down, bring him up later. But I think he's absolutely here. Henry Davis is the one that I think we can question if he'll be here by June, July. Agreed. I think, yeah, I think super due deadline's the day he's up. I mean, unless he just completely falls off a cliff or gets injured. Right. So, yeah. if very bad things happen. I mean, no, even but... O'Neill Cruz did not hit in AAA, and he was still up as soon as the super due right. deadline. That's a good up. call. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Andy's still a catcher, and he's going to be still, he's going to probably be better than Austin Hedges and uh, Heineman. So, correct. Oh, God, we got that too. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> there it is, Kenny. Or in the case of Michael Scott, cut your nose to spider face. <laughs> well, guys, hour 25. Yeah, we did it. We had a lot of Pirates offseason talk. Anything else you guys want to add in here before we go? Yeah, sorry. Yes. We just gave you probably the worst shit of the offseason. But that's no, that was pretty. We, we did we did awesome. Don't sell yourself short. I mean, this was great. We the two end people did awesome. Yeah, that's true. Let the talent cook. Whatever, whatever, guys. I hate I mean, you. Let's, let's just read through these comments right now. Let's see here. So let's say this before we go. If you're still watching, appreciate you guys. If you haven't, make sure you subscribe to our channel. Let Tyler cook. Tyler <laughs> spitting facts. Um, yeah, do all the good stuff. If you guys like this, go ahead and comment, like, subscribe to our channel, subscribe to the podcast. We got some big things coming up. We talked about certainly some more guests. We might have some yep. more others cooking. If enough of you subscribe to this channel, Tyler can quit his job. Yeah. Let me quit my job. <laughs> I want Tyler to quit his job. So me please too. subscribe. Yeah, for ten cents a day <laughs> and a subscription. I'm like that. Please lost... help Tyler quit some... his job. We need some Sarah McLaughlin music in the back. Yes. I just, I just need to put my dog on camera and be like, for like ten cents a day, That's... I can stay home with him. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> where he is? He's gonna unsub. There now. he is. Yeah, where's look Fred? at that little guy? Look at Fred. For ten oh, cents a day, I could stay. There home we with go. Him. Come you got to subscribe for, for, for In the arms of... <laughs> Killed it. But yeah, guys, we really appreciate it. We're having a blast. Big season coming up. So we'll see you guys next week. Peace out, Girl Scouts. See you guys. Bye-bye.